Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Guardian. The French government today began the clearance of the migrant camp. We have transferred almost 200 children. They are receiving the care and support they need in the UK. It sounded like the end of a story. After two years of campaigning by lawyers, activists and politicians, safe routes to the UK were finally opened up for some of the most vulnerable children in Europe. Many had travelled to Calais in the hope of joining family already in the UK. An incredible 60,000 migrant children arrived in Europe on their own in 2016. Taking in a 1,000 of them from the camps of France was supposed to be part of the UK's commitment to resolving the global refugee crisis. I stated my absolute commitment to bring to the UK as many children as possible with close family links before the closure of the camp. The former Home Secretary, Amber Rudd, promised to take care of these children as the camp was demolished around them. More than 80 children with a family linked to the UK were transferred from France in the first nine months of this year under the Dublin regulation. But is it enough to just bring these children to the UK? What will the children and their families need to help them build a new life here? And are they getting it? I'm Harriet Grant. Welcome to the story. I've been writing about the challenges faced by people seeking refuge for over 10 years. I know that refugees are so often told that they should be grateful simply to be allowed across a border. But some of the children brought over from Calais by the Home Office are still facing massive problems. And I wanted to find out why. I've come to Birmingham to meet Liz Clegg, a firefighter turned Calais volunteer. She won Woman of the Year after living with and championing the children of the Calais camp. Where's, where's, where's oh, OK. When these children came to the UK, Liz and her daughter Inca brought their work back here too. Now in Birmingham, they're setting up a new centre for refugees and asylum seekers, the MENA Centre, with money from the charity Help Refugees. Today, the place is noisy with drills and hammers. 
Builders, roofers and electricians who met Liz in Calais have travelled from all over the UK to help her get the centre ready. I head out into the car with Liz. Her life is still entangled with all the young people she met in Calais. She is even fostering one of the boys. Oh, this is him. He's gone on to the Bluetooth. Let's turn that down. We start to drive off, but a group of boys wave the car down. It's Liz's foster son and his friends. Hi, Liz. Do you want to get off the road? One minute. Um, <laughs> Meet your friends. Um, I know Liz from Carles, you know. She helped with me. Yeah, she's a very good woman. Liz and her daughter Inka were both there for the last days of the Calais camp. They told me about the trauma and stress of those days, when with very little warning, the Home Office arrived to pull the children out of the mud and put them on buses to England. The French had stated quite clearly they were going to demolish and they gave the date. And from where we stood, and bearing in mind we were with the children... There was nothing in place until the actual demolition started. And they relied on our volunteers to identify the children. Literally, is she a child? Is she a child? They were put in a position in a near-riot situation to identify out of a crowd who was coming and who wasn't. What a burden to carry. What a burden. Liz's daughter Inka was also there. She says she was forced to make some difficult decisions. So they gave us the names. They sat there, said, bring this girl in. So we'd have to go out into the crowd, knowing the name of the girl, get her, bring her into the office. They'd tick her name off. She'd have to go and get her stuff and get straight on a bus and go straight to England. And there was a crowd of girls crying, screaming... One girl ended up fainting. We had to call an ambulance. She missed the bus that day because her name was called later. It was two cousins that got split up. One of them's name got called and the other one didn't. So they were just sat there in bits. In the end, I had to just say stop. And I took one of the cousins in and I said, they're not leaving without each other. Either you send one of them tomorrow or you send both of them together now. This is children we're talking about. I mean, we literally said... Don't let go of each other. Whatever they say, don't let go of each other. And that is what they were doing, just hanging on. The other girls that were getting left behind we just stood there, hysterical. Imagine seeing your cousin or your friend that you've been with yes. that whole time say, oh, you're going, and then not knowing whether your name is on that list at all or if you will be going at all. And then they just closed it off for the day at about 5 o'clock and they all left and went home and we were left in a sea of girls, just hysterical. The abuse we got from people, but traumatised. We don't, I mean, not for a second hold it against anybody, but, yeah, the rage and the fear, or take my children, take the children, tell them I'm not here, tell them they're on their own, take my children. And, and you're going, no, it's no good, that's not OK for the kids. In Brighton, Bristol, Manchester and London, I heard how this chaos continued. 
Local authorities were given only a few hours' notice that children would be arriving. Frontline workers scrambled to provide the support they would need. A legal victory meant that children with family in the UK could claim asylum here instead of in France. But when these children arrived, it wasn't clear to local authorities exactly how this would work. I heard of families being given so little support that children were missing out on school or going hungry. Family relationships were even breaking down under the pressure. What was going wrong? I heard that Brighton Council had gone the extra mile in supporting these children, so I got on the train to the south coast to find out more. We're one of... 16 pods, yes. which are the small teams that do the, the social work with children. Kate Eccles is Head of Children's Services at Brighton Council, responsible for coordinating care of all vulnerable children, including unaccompanied young asylum seekers. She recognised that children joining family members they might never have met before would need the help and protection of social services. We made a decision in Brighton that we undertook... Uh, what we have as a strengthening families assessment for every single young person that came in and went with a family member under Section 17 of the Children Act. And that wasn't, you weren't asked to do that by the Home Office? No. Do you think there might have been a gap in the Home Office understanding of child protection because it's not what they do and that they were coordinating all these children moving around and they might not have known what best practice was? Possibly. Probably. Um, I think notionally the idea of reunification sounds like it's a really wonderful thing, but actually it's proven to be a real challenge for us because it's incredibly complex. Um, working with young people who perhaps have never met some of these family members, don't have a relationship or an attachment with them, who are coming with their own journeys and trauma and issues of loss and separation, quite often into families who have their own journeys and issues of loss and separation and unresolved trauma, who are often living in quite impoverished, potentially overcrowded situations. We have some really good situations where we've, we've had young people who've come to join families, and actually those families are, are still facing some degree of adversity, but actually the willingness mm-hmm. and the, the importance of those relationships, mm-hmm. but they w- uh, my observation would be, I guess, that their relationships that were already in existence before they arrived in the UK and so therefore there has been something there on which to build and and you know that that living in slightly overcrowded conditions isn't something that's a big issue for them because actually being together is far more important being together it's hugely important but Kate Eccles and her team in Brighton recognize it's not always enough I heard of many cases around the country where young people ended up being taken into care because the much-longed-for family reunion didn't work out. I wanted to speak to a young person who'd been through this, but I was told again and again that these family breakdowns were so distressing for all involved that nobody would want to talk about it. But Refugee Action, who worked with some of these families found a brave young man who was willing to speak. We talked through a translator. That's the older voice you'll hear. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Muhammad Ali. 
In the name of Allah, the merciful, the beneficent. My name is Ali. Ali. Yeah. Ali, which is not his real name, was a child of just 13 when he left Afghanistan, fleeing in the night with his mother and sister after the Taliban killed his younger brother in front of him. They fired on my brother's body. When uh, I saw my brother was bleeding, and I I was just like unconscious, and I didn't know what was happening. And I asked him what happened. They said they killed your brother. Ali became separated from his mother, father and sister while travelling towards Europe. Making his way to France to try and find them, he finally discovered through the Red Cross that they had all drowned trying to reach Greece. But he remembered that his father had once told him about an uncle in London. People were saying that if you have got relatives in the UK, then you can go there. At that time, I remembered that my uncle would be in the UK. I felt very, very much happy. I can't explain how happy I was feeling. Um, my uncle was very, very happy. Um, um, he said yes. And also he was very upset when he knew about my family. Ali happened to arrive in Calais at a unique moment in history. He got a place on one of the buses to safety a bus organised by the British Home Office. And even though his uncle was very keen to support him, Ali struggled to fit into family life. He had a lot to recover from. At the beginning was uh, like a very strange feeling that I had when I was looking at him. But when I saw his kindness and attention to me, then I, I felt that he's my uncle. So it's difficult to feel comfortable with someone you've never met before? Uh, very difficult, yes. When you are raised in your parents' home and uh, you, uh, when you go some uh, another family, obviously it is difficult and strange, different. Being with a new family, did it make you miss your family? I was like almost getting mad because always when I was looking at my uncle, I was remembering my father. And when I was looking at my father's um, wife, then I was remembering my mum. And when I was looking at uh, their children, then my... Um, brother and sister was I remember so. and, and um, uh, because of these feelings that I had I was like a mad person or somebody who has got mental health and some people were saying doctors that you have got probably psychological problem but no I was missing them unable to cope with his enormous grief 
Ali left his uncle's house and became homeless. Refugee Action were alerted to his case. They were able to step in and help him get back on his feet while maintaining the vital relationship with his uncle. Ali's story is not unique. It was one of many cases of family breakdown that I heard of while working on this story. I was shocked that Ali and his uncle hadn't had the support they needed. That a social worker hadn't made visits to this family to check that everything was okay, and that a charity like Refugee Action were the ones to pick up the pieces. Since I started working on this story, Amber Rudd has been forced to resign over the Windrush scandal. But in her leaving letter, she mentioned her pride at helping child refugees come from Calais to find safety here in the UK. But some of these children don't feel safe yet. They didn't get the support they needed. And now they face a further challenge, getting the right to stay here. Many still don't know what their future holds. And that's what we're going to look at in part two of our Calais Kids story. We want our young people to kind of eventually start to move on away from their traumas and to start a new life. And that's really where we want to get with with a young person but how can you do that when you have over your head that you might be deported seriously if you, you could go and decide like those things i want to kill myself if they First, refuse yes, him if they refuse him it's so cruel the children that were brought over are now being tortured through this asylum process This episode of The Story was presented and co-produced by me, Harriet Grant. It was co-produced by Claire Crofton and the executive producer for The Guardian was Max Sanderson with additional help from Mustafa Khalili. I would like to thank all of the contributors who lent their voices to this podcast with a special thanks going to Refugee Action. To find out more about their work on family reunification, go to Refugee action.org.uk The podcast was funded in part by The Guardian's New Arrivals Project, which is supported by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. To listen to part two of this story, head over to theguardian.com forward slash podcasts or search The Story on your favourite podcast app. If you have any questions, feedback or story ideas, send us an email on podcasts at theguardian.com. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.